Welcome back everybody to Young to Live By. Now today we're talking about many different things. The anima, the shadow, complexes, the personal myth, the whole shebang. First of all, I think we've got to get clear what the shadow is and is not. This is not the shadow. I hurt myself today. And this is not the shadow. What is this? This is a chemical burn. Ah, ah, ah. It hurt more than you've ever been burned, and you will have a scar. What are you doing? Guided meditation worked for cancer. It could work for this. Stay with the pain. Don't shut this out. No, no, no. Ah, Look at your hand. The first soap was made from the ashes of heroes, like the first monkey shot into space. Without pain, without sacrifice, we would have nothing. And this, most certainly, is not the shadow. One of the things that Jung knew, and this is something that I, I find so amazing about his writings, and I think something that really distinguishes him, for example, from Joseph Campbell, who talked about following your bliss, is like Jung said very clearly that the first step to enlightenment is the encounter with the shadow. And what he meant by that was everything horrible that human beings have done was done by human beings, and you're one of them. And so if you don't understand that, and to understand that really means to know how it was that you could have done it. And that's a shattering thing. To try to imagine that, to try to imagine yourself as someone who's engaged in medieval torture. To see how you could, in fact, do that. You're never the same after you learn that. The shadow is, in fact, a psychological construct that forms over an individual's lifespan as a counterbalance to the ego's attitude. It is a necessary balancing function because you are never perfect. You always have blind spots. There's, some, there's a structure called the alter ego that exists within the shadow that's an exact balance. And you can learn all about this, of course, if you download our free shadow integration manual link in the, in the description down below. So, of course, when you first start learning about Jungian psychology, the standard thing you come up against is the shadow. You must integrate the shadow first. But we got a question today from someone at the Merlin's Workshop tier on Patreon. You can join him in asking us a question for the YouTube channel if you sign up at that tier or higher. The question goes as such. Is there a correlation between the inferior function being the gateway to our anima, positive, and the fact that many of our complexes are formed before we fully integrated this function, if we can ever truly integrate it fully? I feel like it would be possible to have a complex arise that could knock us off our through line simply from not having our psychological toolkit sufficiently developed at the age the complex was formed. So before I kick this back to Steve in the past, Steve of course starts talking about complexes in relation to the personal myth and how these things can indeed form. But the conversation then turns towards the relationship between the anima, as mentioned within the question, and the shadow. What the relationship between those two ideas and concepts should be if they'd like to individuate. So I'll kick this back to Steve in the past. What do you think about all of this? Uh, we've uh, we've addressed um, the anima and the inferior function before, but it, it will be good to go over that again. But firstly, I'd like to address the idea of complexes forming at, at an age, an earlier age. Uh, and we haven't, according to his question, fully or partially integrated the anima. Uh, yeah, well, basically that describes, because he puts in the context of the through line of your life, that describes your personal myth. And one of the reasons why you should do it is to uncover those complexes that have been tacitly incorporated into our ego identity before we even knew that that process was happening, before we were conscious enough to know that we were being influenced by other people. Um, and these are why these complexes, if you like, developmentally are of such significance because 
usually they are early experiences and they come through significant relationships to other people, whether they're the parents, peer groups or whatever. And uh, yeah, I've mentioned this before, but one useful way of thinking about it for those who are educated or informed about earth sciences is the volcanic rock because by metaphor a volcanic rock emerges under pressure from within the earth once it does emerge it then settles into a specific shape and there's a process of cooling whilst it solidifies and takes its final form obviously it's under the influence of gravity as well and any other kind of surface disturbance that may be there but it does take on a specific form and another aspect of it is that it takes on the direction of the magnetic field of the earth at the time it cools and it then stays there and it can stay there forever pretty much certainly for the, the existence of that particular rock complexes are like that they their root causes emerge under pressure because the root causes are instinctive and it's it's a very useful metaphor to think of that the instincts push that hard they can be volcanic and then the interaction with the environments the atmosphere the surface of the earth if you like is what causes the final shape of that complex to form and then it solidifies it takes on a permanence but it does also take on this magnetic field direction the forms at that time so absolutely yes and the problem with those that form when we're young is as i said earlier that they become tacitly incorporated into our identity and we do not distinguish from them sufficiently to know that they are not us so if you use a personal myth, then part of the reason to go back is to find out what things have gathered around that through line, that world line of our life, and accrued the energy, the by an analogy and metaphor, the direction of the magnetic field at the time that they were formed. Magnetic attraction, the psychodynamics, if you like, of the time at which they were formed. So they are hugely valuable things to uncover these very early complexes. Not all of them will be bad. Some of them will be good. Some of them will be ambivalent. But if we don't know what they are, we can't take a stand against them. They are just tacit incorporates. So yeah, that, that, that's very important. The thing about the anima that he mentions, which is important too, he says, well, we incorporate it if we ever do. Well, we don't incorporate it. It behaves us, if you think about it in that way. Because it's instinctive, again, as all things on time released from the genome are, the pre it's present immediately, if you like, the relating function, therefore the anima is active immediately before the shadow forms. The shadow forms later as a compensation for ego consciousness, but we are relating instinctively before we're conscious. That's why we can relate to our mothers. Well before. Yeah. Well before. Yeah. Uh, this is why object relations theory in psychoanalysis exists. This is why um, child development, psychological theories of child development, whether it's Piaget or any of those others, exist. Because it's obvious that we are in a social relationship with the world and with significant others immediately that we're born. We're intended to be for the purposes of survival. What Jung called the shadow, though, comes later. And yet... There is this notion that you should tackle the shadow before you tackle the anima. Our view... Yes, is that you have to have lived enough to have a shadow. You do. I would say that our view is that, no, you don't have to do that. No. You, can, you can tackle both at the same time. Mm. It all depends on your level of consciousness when you approach the problem of it. If you suggest to somebody that the anima is something difficult to engage with, 
you're creating distance from consciousness. In effect, you are suppressing the concept of the anima and what it's supposed to stand for by providing that distance and saying that there is difficulty involved. Mm. That's really quite a bad suggestion to give because it's saying mm. that you can't change the way that you relate. Remember that the anima is a behavior. It is a function. It's not just an inner woman. The idea of it being an inner woman evolves over time. And a lot of the time that's under cultural pressure, including psychological theories like Jung's. It says that such a thing even exists in the absence of knowing anything about the theory. You still relate. And if Jung is right, you've still got an animal, whether you know you've got one or not, but it's still there and it's still performing. There is no reason at all why you cannot tackle relating before you tackle the shadow. In fact, if you do, you will deal with the shadow. Mm. So you can deal with the shadow by concentrating on your relating function and therefore working on your anima as it functions externally and internally. So you don't need to worry about integrating the anima. You just need to worry about relating properly to the external world and the internal world. Then you'll find that your instincts align properly in accordance with where you're at in your lifespan developments. That will allow the genome then to express the proper things at the proper time and release those things as you progress through the stages of life. And of course, again, if, if you're in tune with that, you will probably be relating properly. Therefore, your anima is optimally adapted for your survival. If you want to know more about it in a Jungian sense, that's different. That means to some extent you have to become conscious of something which is otherwise unconscious. The way that you do that normally is to turn that concept into a reification. In other words, an image that takes on the form of a personality on the inside. In this case, it's most usually suggested that it should be a woman. And as you relate to women on the outside, so you relate to women on the inside and vice versa. But remember, you've created the suggestion that such an image should exist. And the reason why that works to any extent at all is because consciousness can only apperceive things in that way, except through an abstraction such as a geometric figure or a very, very abstract symbol, because the bandwidth of information it carries is so broad, consciousness cannot normally relate to it at all. So it's summed up in a symbol like that, a compressed file, a zip file, however you want to model the understanding of that. So the anima doesn't have to be a woman on the inside as an image, which she very often is, I say she. Remember, uh, men relate to creative products, they relate mm, to cars, okay. they relate to ideas, mm. they relate to all sorts of things, as women do in the case of the animus. Yeah. Mm. So the anima becomes a woman, principally because initially you all both sexes relate to a same-sex caregiver. Then we're under biological pressure as men to relate to women reproductively and socially, so that, that's triggered as well. But we relate to lots of things. We relate to a peer group. And the anima is present there too in the role of relating function. So that's the main thing. You, you need to become conscious of what it is broadly. Then you don't have to worry about it taking on a particular image. And here's the paradox. The minute you do that, you stop trying to create the image, the image will create itself. And it's a naturalistic communication then that comes from within. In other words, the psyche will say, this is how you will, you will, if you allow it, experience the anima right now in this moment. And it'll be through a dream, perhaps through a mood or a behavior or a creative process, but it's come from within and it's naturalistic and it's not imposed from some psychocultural learning or interjection of a psychological theory, which then becomes a filter 
between the ego and direct experience of the naturalistic unconscious. We'll do it that way and you'll get a true image of what the anima is, but remember it will be malleable. It will change. Um, so you don't have to worry about integrating it. You just relate to it. If you relate to it, everything will just align for you properly and you'll be adapted. And most neuroses are solved that way. So the shadow itself is tackled by relating properly. Because if you relate properly to what it represents, you automatically have a value set. It's generated by your relating to the anima. If you try and confront the shadow without any knowledge of relating, you won't be able to relate to the shadow. You won't be able to separate your, your value set off from that. You won't have any understanding of what instinctive pressure is. You won't be able to relate to people on the outside. You won't be able to adapt to the social world. You'll be in a right mess. So it's a mistake, frankly, to address the idea of the shadow before you address the idea of relating. Relating is fundamental. That's why we're born relating immediately. It's for survival and it's for adaptation yeah. through life. You, you get a lot of this with you all though, Steve, you don't do. you? You do. In, yeah. in terms of there being set stages of things yeah. or concepts that you have to go through before you can understand or you know mm. a, a achieve any kind of realization of other things. And I think it, I think it creates all sorts of problems for people, really. I mean, we were saying this the other day um, with respect to um, relating and relationships, even between young children yeah. in, in school, for example, who form crushes on one another, mm. and yet they're not entering into uh, any kind of physical uh, no. or sexual relationship. No. Obviously, they're not. No. Um, but if you were to follow young to the letter, mm. you would say that that has to come first yeah. that 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 form of relating yeah. and it's just it makes a nonsense if you think in that way you re you constrict you your do. understanding you of what you, you need do. to do, you do. And, yeah. and you lose all the fluidity yeah you're right there aren't there aren't those definite stages no, at all there they're, aren't. they're all there in potential yes. just like with typology yes. all the cognitive functions yeah. That Jung didn't call them that, by the way. He didn't use the word cognitive, at least not regularly in any sense, connected to typology. This is an afterthought come from other people's interpretations. But all of those, you know, thinking, feeling, sensing, intuition, they're all available as a suite of options in your genome. And you can develop any that you like yes. consciously if you attend to doing that. Mm. If you don't, you generally get stuck with two. Yeah. The adapted or dominant and then the auxiliary backup function. That's what most people do. Yeah. But even Jung himself, if you read psychological types, said that you, you normally don't find these caricatures, my word, caricatures of uh, typological descriptions in real life. And the best the best place to find you see if you want to learn about anatomy and physiology, learn medicine. Because when you find why things go wrong, you can work back and find out what makes them yeah, right. So go for pathology first. Go for, go for, and if you, if you want to understand the human personality and, and the psyche, as Jung himself did, go into that field. Yeah. Go into the field that studies what happens when the psyche stops regulating itself. Yes. Then you'll see what, what makes it work properly. Mm. It's not like breaking a watch down to find out, you know, well, if I pull that bit out, it doesn't work mm. anymore. It's looking at the complete watch and seeing what bits of it aren't working and how they relate to one another. So if you understand the pathology of the mechanism broadly in a holistic sense, you're going to understand how it will work properly when it works properly. Mm. So it's, it's very important to do that. Also, Tisa, just coming back to, to the question again, the idea about complexes and when they form, mm. it's, and, and the, the metaphor you used about the, um, the, the volcanic rock, yeah. rock mm. 
most of us, probably all of us, can't do an awful lot of anything about the formation of those early no. complexes because we don't even have a model with it, which to understand what's happening no. to us. That no. comes much later, it does. doesn't it? If we're lucky, yeah. if we come across something that helps to explain us to ourselves, and that's very valuable. Yes. But there's, we, there's very, very little any of us can do mm. to avoid those things from happening. Yeah. It's always in retrospect, isn't it? You look back and yeah. you think, ah, that's, that's why yeah. that happened. That's why those things are still operating now yeah. for me in the present. And so, uh, yeah. That's, that's why Jung says that neurosis is normal mm. because it's inevitable. You can't avoid it, yeah. It's absolutely inevitable. There's nothing you can do about it no. whilst it's happening to you. Uh, <clears throat> if you could avoid it, you would obviously yes. none of us would deliberately want to be neurotic about anything we would solve the problems before they arise and later in life if you have a well-adapted ego that's what you'll do but early on you have no choice yeah. it's something parents regularly beat themselves up over yeah. too isn't it with respect yeah. to their children in fact we mm. we had a friend a long time ago now we've, we've sort of lost touch with them who actually asked the question do you think it's possible to raise children without them becoming neurotic yeah. And she obviously wanted the answer, in a way, to be yes, that there was some way of avoiding mm. that. And uh, yeah. clearly there isn't. No, no matter how you know, well you do the job, inevitably yeah. there will be frustrations. Just, just because you know, people, children, young people, yeah. young adults yeah. hit up against yeah. life. And yeah. uh, you, you can't account for those variables. No. So to some extent, we, we yeah. accept that. We do. And uh, relating is the key. And relating equals the anima or the animus. That's it. That's its proper area of function. If you think about it, it doesn't have any other purpose at all. Even if you invoke spirituality, spirituality is relating, even yes. if it's to a transcendent idea. Yes, it is. Uh, it's still relating. Yeah. You, you can't be spiritual if you can't relate. No. Relating is everything. Well, it, even it, in you know. Jungian terms, it's considered yeah. the highest form of relating, isn't yeah. it, really? Yeah. 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 That, that's however, almost however a goal. You you yes, define it. of course. Yeah. Yeah. So, therefore, that, that's the thing. And also, biologically, if you can't relate, you get extinguished very quickly. You know, uh, mm. uh, whether that's a human child or an animal, you know, it means you're not adapting. If, you, if you're in a social group as an animal, you have to relate to the social group. Yes. You have to be environmentally focused. Yeah. And that's what's given human beings a huge survival advantage is that our consciousness is externally focused. It's supposed to be there. Mm. Going inside is a luxury. Yes. If you, you, know, some, if you can do it, great. You know. Some cultures, Steve, uh, mm. regard that more favorably than others too don't they do. like the japanese yeah. culture is yeah. uh, traditionally that way that things run on manners they and, do yeah and, manners, and, yeah yes, for example yeah, yeah that's yeah. in the context of respect isn't yes, it yes it is yeah 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 they, they have a kind of ancestral or cultural memory that if, mm. if people lack manners then terrible things happen mm. you know and it can just be on the road it can be road rage yes. um it, it can be any kind of violence or social breakdown yeah and it's the same internally, if you think about it. Mm. Uh, a mannered approach generally smoothes things out. It does, and, takes the heat out of it. Takes things. the heat, yeah. and it, it opens up a line of communication. Thank you for watching this episode of Young to Live By. If you haven't already, make sure you download our free PDF for integrating your shadow. It includes the most advanced theory on the topic available anywhere on the internet, as well as a full practical breakdown. If you've ever wanted to integrate your shadow, this is honestly the way to do it. Thanks again for watching and take care.